Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Yo, it's your girl, Fresh Love, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Hey, how y'all doing? It's Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports. I'm so happy, geeked, overjoyed, man. Today I'm here with CBS Sports Draft Analyst and host of the Pick 6 Podcast, Ryan Wilson. Listen, if you go out at all on YouTube and you look up the words mock draft, you're going to see my guy, man. (laughs) (laughs) And so, listen, I want you to be here. I'm going to, we're going to play a little bit of our intro and then right after that, we'll hop into this great interview with Ryan Wilson. Hello, how are you doing today, sir? Man, I am hanging in there, and it, it's a pleasure to to see you again, man. We met at the the senior bowl, had a nice little chat, and uh, we got the band back together, man. I'm ready to do this. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yo, I, I want to know about you know your life right now. Let's before we get into the picks and all that kind of stuff. Tell me about your life right now. I need to know how busy are you this time of year? It's draft season. This is your time officially. So give me like a typical day in the life of you know of Ryan Wilson during draft season. First off, so do you go by Rick or do you go by your your given name, your Christian name? Always Rick. I go by Rick. Whenever, you know, the light's what? on, it's always Rick. All right. Well, I'll call you Rick when the mic's on because I, I call you your, your Christian name when the mic is off. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to blow your cover, so that's why I asked. All right. Cool. All right. So here's the, here's the deal. It's crazy, man, because um, during the, the season, I, I cover the NFL, but I also uh, am the draft guy at CBS. So I'm I'm really deep into the draft stuff. That's that's 12 months a year. And things start to ramp up right as the the – the NFL season ends maybe a little sooner once we get to the new year, because I saw you at the senior bowl in mobile and that's the start of the the crazy town process. And it goes all the way to the end of the, the draft at the end of April. So going into the senior bowl, I, I try to watch all the players in the senior bowl, watch all their college tape from the year before. And then a week after that's a super bowl. I usually am in the super bowl for work and doing some draft stuff there. So we're trying to talk to folks um, if they're in town and, and get an idea of the players that are coming through the draft process. And then two weeks after that, I feel like maybe two and a half weeks is the combine. So that two week period between the senior bowl and the start of the combine, I try to make sure I've watched all the players that are going to be invited to the combine. And usually that's about 320 guys. And um, the combine's an amazing resource for, for me personally, because we usually have a set there uh, for CBS sports HQ. And we have, I think this year we had 30, 40 guys come through and, Anybody you want to talk to, you're talking to because they get off the stage uh, at the at the answer the questions to the media, and then they walk 20 feet and come get in our set, and we got them for five, six, seven minutes. And that's great for me because I can ask them specific questions that you may not get a chance to ask them if you're trying to fight other media guys to get a question in or if you don't even have access to them. So that that's a great resource for me. And then from the end of the, the combine, which is late February this year, maybe ended in early March, until now, I'm – talking to, to scouts and, and folks and getting a better idea of these players. I'm watching more guys going back and watching guys that I have questions about and um, doing a ton of uh, like media stuff. So I have my, my work stuff that, that we do nonstop. We got a little break because of uh, the NCAA tournament, which just ended. And this week is the master. So that's a little break as well. But um, there's radio. Then I do podcasts. I talk to people like you, which I love doing and it's I'm busy. 
but I tell you, man, there are worse jobs to be doing. So I'm not complaining. I get tired by the end of it, but man, it's a different kind of tire than, you know, digging ditches all day. So I'm not going to complain. I love doing it. And I've only been doing this. Is my, I've been covering the NFL since what, 2006, 2007, but I've only been covering the draft specifically. This is my fourth draft and uh, it's a great challenge. It's a ton of work. And as you know, man, it's hard to tell who's going to be good and who's not. It's hard to tell. And it, you know, that's why, you know, we talked about this a little bit, the senior bowl, don't act like you know everything because you don't because you'll get humbled humbled right quick. So I, I try to keep that in mind, and that's why I try to reach out to a bunch of people uh, who know more than me and, and try to be at least close uh, to, to getting it right as opposed to, you know, talking down to people and then end up, you know, striking out a bunch. You don't want to be that guy. How helpful is it in your um, analysis when it's your time to interview? So how helpful are the interviews in your um, in your draft analysis? Oh man, they're they're invaluable to me because you get a sense number one of the person, and you know these guys are twenty one, twenty two, twenty three years old, so they're still incredibly young. And you know, when I was that age, I was doing all sorts of stupid stuff. So I, it's amazing how humble these guys are, and how mature they are, and how focused they are. And it's the biggest job interview of their life. So um, what you find is each and every year they get more and more polished in terms of talking to to media people because they. Yeah, and you know this better than I do because you're obviously a lot younger. But, you know, everyone's life now, these 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 high school kids and, and college kids, their life is on their phone, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And, you know, their brand is their thing. So they have a sense for how that works much more so than even seven, eight years ago. So but I, I love talking to these guys because you can find out who they are as a person. You get a sense of it. You don't know them intimately, obviously. But you also get it. You can ask some questions about uh, a particular play, a particular player teammates and i love doing that to get a sense for uh how they feel like for example i'll give you alec pierce the wide receiver out of out of cincinnati who didn't play particularly fast but he showed up and ran the four threes i think and then he had a 40 something inch vertical so i asked sauce gardner the probably gonna be the first cornerback drafted and i asked brian cook who was the safety on that team that i like a lot were you at all surprised by Alex Mears, uh, Pierce's athleticism? And they both said, no, we saw it every single day. So those are the type of things you can't get just by watching the, watching the games and then reading off a sheet of paper that this guy ran a 439 or 441, whatever it ended up being. You get some insight into the type of player he is. And by the way, if they didn't like Alex Pierce, they just said, yeah, I mean, he's, fa- he's fast, but you know, and that's not what you got. You got the sense that they truly liked him and appreciate his athleticism. And that just gives you some insight into the type of player maybe that he will be at the next level, even if you didn't see it every single snap when you were watching him in college. Wow. Okay, so you've covered the last four drafts. In your opinion, where is the strength of this draft class? Well, it ain't quarterback. So, that <laughs> you know, that that's an issue when you're trying to sell it to people. And by that, I mean you, have people. You've been adamant about that. <laughs> and look, man. I like that I, we talked to every single quarterback that's going to has a chance to get drafted early and they're all good dudes, but there's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Joe Burrow. There's not even a Kyler Murray. And that's just the truth, but it is deep at offensive line. If you need offensive linemen, this is the draft for you. Wide receiver class is deep. It's not as deep as it has been in the last couple of years, but it's still deep. And I think that's a function of just these college offenses continuing to evolve into being these passing big passing offenses uh, if you need a cornerback, there are cornerbacks in this class. If you need a safety, there are some good safeties, edge rusher, defensive line. It basically feels like every position but quarterback. You can find some depth in this draft class, and you can find it on on day three. Um, if you want, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, you can find guys that can contribute to your football team. It's just the quarterback class is, is going to be – ain't going to be that strong. The tight end class isn't that deep either. 
And, and but that's not a thing that necessarily you get you get hung up on because you're more concerned uh, about the the money positions, if you will. And while we have guys like you know Travis Kelsey and George Kittle crushing it, um, those guys come along once every ten years. It feels like. Do you expect because um, if you see that, I know you know you're seeing it. You're talking to scouts; they're seeing it too. Do you expect teams to be trying their best to aggressively move down in this draft to acquire more picks because of the strength? Because the strength of this draft class is kind of in the later round. Man, I, I, yeah, I bet a, a ton of teams would love to move down. In, in fact, at the Senior Bowl, I was talking to someone uh, in the Jaguars organization, and they have the first overall pick, and they said to me, man, I hope these quarterbacks crush it this week because we need some people to trade up. And they didn't crush it as much as perhaps they wanted them to because I don't think a team's trading up for a quarterback. That would truly be a surprise. I think the issue, Rick, is going to be that everyone and their brother is going to want to trade down, and you got to find you have to have a partner. And I don't know who the partner's going to be because it like this is – this is going to be the toughest draft class to predict in terms of how uh, media folks thinks it's going to play out just because I don't know when these quarterbacks are going to come off the board. I mean, they got, they could come off the board as soon as number six to Carolina, which would be a terrible idea for that quarterback. And not because the quarterback isn't good, but because that team is terrible. I mean, there's no offensive line help and the guy's going to get whoever he is, is, is going to take a beating Atlanta at eight. Isn't much different. They have one receiver on that team. His name is tied in Kyle Pitts. So they don't even have a receiver. <laughs> So there, there are a lot of questions at the top of the draft, and teams like the Panthers could draft an offensive lineman, the, the, the Falcons could draft a wide receiver that would be better fits immediately. But I think in terms of trading down, I guarantee you every team in the top five would love to trade down. It's just a matter of finding a partner willing to, to trade up and, and come up there and get whoever they're interested in. Wow, I know. Um, in one of your dra- in one of your mock drafts, um, in the three round mock, you had Malik Willis going to um the Seattle Seahawks at pick nine. Um, in, in your opinion. Is is he one of the quarterbacks? And I've seen some of your articles. I've seen articles, right, where you talk about, you know, what's your faith is in him. Is is he one of the quarterbacks you honestly believe in? But or if he's not, then give me at least one quarterback in this draft class. You're like, you know what? I want to put my stamp on him. I think that that guy can succeed in this league. Whew, man, that that's a you asking a lot. So Sorry, I <laughs> no, that's all right. That's hey, look, I got to answer these questions. <laughs> that's part of the job description. So, of these quarterbacks, I think that only one is legitimately worth the first rounder, and that's a late first rounder for me. That's Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Mm. And uh, my quarterback rankings are Matt Corral one. The rest of these guys are second round picks. I have Desmond Ritter as a third round pick. So Matt Corral one, number two is Sam Howell. Uh, number three is Malik Willis. Four Kenny Pickett. Five. Desmond Ritter and then six Carson Strong if you throw him in there as well. Um, but they all have flaws. So Matt Corral is six feet and he only weighs, he only played at 205. So he's a little slight. So if there's someone I got, I got to put my faith in and put my faith in next season to win a football game. And man, I, I, I probably give you a, a slight lean towards Matt Corral. And, but I like a lot about Malik Willis. The issue is that he just has a lot of bad tape out there. But what you have to sort out is, is that bad tape because he's playing with guys who, who aren't going to be in the league? And that's what happened with Josh Allen. He had a lot of guys that, that weren't very good around him. He had to carry that team, and that's what was hard to figure out. How much is this Josh Allen? How much of this is just um, him not him struggling in a bad offense? Turns out Josh Allen's really good, man. So you don't want to be the guy that just shuts the door on a Malik Willis or Sam Howell or, or Matt Corral um, because they have the athleticism and the arm strength, but not necessarily the, the consistency. And I think Corral's the most consistent of that group. Um, but you also you have to figure out what's this going to look like in two or three years. So I think Malik Willis 
he isn't a guy that can go into a, a Carolina Panthers team and start right away. That's unfair to him. And that's unfair to, to the, to the expectations you're going to put on him. Same with the Falcons. I think you have to understand that, but p- teams aren't patient. I mean, the best case scenario last year was that Mac Jones went to the Patriots. Mac Jones goes to the jets. He's probably in a wheelchair right now. So, I, I mean, you know, that's the difference. <laughs> so you got to do that math. Now, listen, if, Matt, if Malik Willis goes to the saints, for example, you're working with something. Their offensive line is pretty good. They got to figure out the Tron Armstead thing, left tackle, but they're in a much better situation than a team picking at the top, like the Texans or, or the Panthers, for example. So I'll I'll hesitantly go with Matt Corral as a guy that I, I'll go all in on, but I don't I don't feel good about it. That's you know you you asking me asking me to, to to take that uh that uh Ford that Ford that uh what's that what are those old Fords called that Ford Fiesta and try to try to try to beat a, try to beat a Ferrari. Yeah. So okay, in your opinion, for him, what's the feeling like? Right? Like, do you think? What Pro Bowl, right? Perennial Pro Bowler for Corral or Malik for Corral for Corral. What's his ceiling? That's another good question. Because here's the thing: if if you put this draft class up against the guys that were drafted in the second, third round last year, so Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, and Davis Mills, two of those three guys are probably going at the top of this draft class. And Davis Mills is probably the first quarterback drafted. Kyle Trask is probably up there in the mix. They wow. both those guys have flaws, and Kellen Mond's probably a first round pick as well. So I, I don't want to call any of these guys pro. The, the highest upside guy is Malik Willis, without a doubt, because mm. he he provides uh, something in the in the his ability to run that you don't see any other guys. Even though Sam Howell and Matt Corral can run, he has a great arm. He's a great leader. Um, his teammates seem to really rally around him. I just think he's incredibly raw. He just hasn't played uh, a lot of NFL type football, and by that I mean hasn't been in a system that that runs an NFL offense. And he those sort of things he's going to have to get accustomed to. And I think you just have to be patient. Josh Allen wasn't good his first year. He was okay his second year, and then he he got hot. So if you're willing to give Malik Willis three years, I think then you might be onto something. And that also look, man, that's the reason why these quarterbacks you take risks on them because you might you might get Josh Allen, you might get Mr. Trubisky. But if you don't draft anybody, you're not going to have a quarterback. So I, I think that's why these teams talk themselves into quarterbacks the longer we go through the process. The highest upside guy is Malik Willis. After that, probably I would say Sam Howell than Matt Corral. I think Matt Corral is probably closer to being ready to play. But again, there's you watch you watch the, the games. You're like, okay, that that's something that needs to be fixed, or that's something that needs to be fixed. And that's what the NFL team is going to have to sort out. You're evaluating this draft class, and, and as you're going through different prospects, in your opinion, which prospects present the biggest challenge when you're trying to predict how well they'll do in the NFL? Yeah, that's actually pretty easy for me because it's uh, guys who play deep safety and guys who play tight end. And I tell you why, because you can watch three games of a deep safety and he's not doing anything because he's playing 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and you're you're waiting for something to happen, and you get two or three plays one game, you get five or six plays the next game. Whereas an offensive lineman, you can see him every single snap. Either he wins or he loses, in a sense. So that's the difficult part. And I talked to scouts, and the young scouts especially said the same thing. Like It takes time to figure out these safeties, what they're doing, if they're in the right position, because they're not doing a lot the whole time. And the tight ends, if they're in a, if they're in a run-heavy offense, and they're great pass catchers, but you don't see it because they have 12 catches on the season, now you have to project that. What's that going to look like in the NFL? Like, um, Ruckert for Ohio State is a incredibly block incredible blocking tight end. He has pass catching ability. You just don't see a lot of it. Same with Kate Otten at University of Washington. Um, he can catch the football. 
not used a lot in the passing game. So how are you going to project that to the next level? If, if he only had 20 catches last season, I'm not sure what his number was, but I don't think it was far off of that. And, and that's the hard part for me. It's not so much you see a quarterback and if he hits his guy in stride in general, you, you have a sense. Now the, you don't know the, the progression, you don't know the coverage, you don't know the, the reads, but you can tell if a guy can throw a football or not, but like playing deep safety or, or playing tight end when you're not getting targeted, that that's a tough thing for me to sort of figure out. Does that um, apply to a guy like um, Lewis Seen? I, I heard <laughs> sign. So does that apply to a guy like him um, over at Georgia? Because, you know, Georgia has so many great players on that defense. Does that apply when trying to evaluate a guy like him? It does for me, man. And I had to watch a bunch of games to even to get a sense of him. Because the first game I watched, I was like, okay, I don't know if he's good or not because he's not doing a whole bunch. Also, when you're playing with eight guys that are going to be first-round picks, you don't have to do a whole lot. So that's right. So I, I had to watch a bunch of games and talk to some folks. And um, he's a really good football player, but you don't see it when you're back there. Absolutely. And I think you saw it more with Kyle Hamilton because he was asked to do more. He moved around a little more. You saw it a little more with Jalen Petrie at a Baylor because he moved around a little more. He plays in the slot. The same with Dax Hill out of Michigan. He's a slot guy. He can play deep. You can play him on the corner if you want to. And when they play in the slot, you get a better idea of their versatility and what they're doing play to play. But Lewisine plays deep a lot. And he can come downhill and smack you in the run game. But you, you, you want to make sure that he can do what he needs to do in, in terms of the coverage. And I, I think he can. I think he's going to be good in that, that area. But it just takes time to figure it out. But that's a perfect example of a guy that had to spend a lot of time figuring out exactly what he was good at and why. You have, um, in, in one of your mock drafts, Iki Kwanu, right at the very top, right, um, going to the Jaguars. In Pete Prisco's latest mock, he had Evan Neal, right, going to um, the Jaguars. And, and at times before that, you've had, Aiden Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. But in your opinion, I need to know who's the most, and you said, I know it's not quarterback and, you know, I won't, we won't go there again. Right. But (laughs) in your opinion, who's the most can't miss prospect. You're, you're the Jaguars. You have to kind of make this decision, right? Who's the most can't miss guy on the board. I think it's Aiden Hutchinson. And the funny thing about Aiden Hutchinson, this is another example of why I was glad I was able to talk to, talk to him at the combine. Because um, I asked him a question that's sort of been floating around uh, social media, Twitter, uh, social media draft talk for, for months now. Ha- has Aiden Hutchinson reached his his ceiling? Is that is that it for him? Because he had such a standout season. And I made it clear, look, look, man, I think you're, you're going to get a lot better. Don't misunderstand. But I want to ask you, what do you say to people when they say, uh, well, we're concerned Aiden Hutchinson reached, has reached his ceiling after what he did last year, what he did to those poor offensive tackles in, in the Big Ten? And um, he got angry. Like, he was legit mad. He's like, listen, I'm 21 years old. What makes you think that I've just scratched the surface? And I think that's a fair point. Uh, We act like he's 32 and he's J.J. Watt. He may end up being J.J. Watt, but there's plenty of development left for him. And the strides he made from 2019 to 2020 to 2021 are for real. And all you have to do is watch him play. I think he's the safest pick in this draft. But here's the thing, Rick, is when you take him first overall as the Jaguars, you're saying – we're going to take an edge rusher for in the first round for the third time in the last four years. They took Josh Allen out of Kentucky. They took Caleb on chase on a few years ago to LSU and you're just stocking up edge rushers. And while that's all well and good, you're still not winning football games. So I'm actually leaning towards when it's all said and done that perhaps they should take Iki Kwanu, who's my, my favorite offensive lineman. You mentioned Pete Prisco. He likes Evan Neal a little better and that's fine. But I think you take Iki Kwanu. He's a starter from day one, and you're protecting your most important player in that team, and Trevor Lawrence, who took an absolute whooping last year. So I think you surround him with as many 
offensive lineman as possible, even if that means you're passing on what feels like the safest pick in Aiden Hutchinson. And at the end of the day, we don't know. Chase Young was a safe pick a few years ago. He hasn't exactly set the world on fire yet. He got injured last year, but he hasn't played like we thought he was going to play. If that's the case, you don't know, and none of us do. Take Kiki Kwanu, stick him out there, and and let Trevor Lawrence have a few more uh, beats to throw the football, which he didn't have last year. In this draft, there are multiple teams with first-round picks. You got the Eagles with multiple um, first-round picks. They had three. Now they have two in the first round. Um, they have two for next year's first round, the Giants, the Jets, right? You have the Chiefs and the Saints. They all have, you know, multiple picks in the first round. You know, you, you see my background. I, I need to know about the Saints. They just jumped up, right, Um, in the first round to acquire their two picks. I want to know, what do you believe they're going to do uh, with 16 to 19 now that they have um, those two picks in the first round? Will they package them to move up? You mentioned a guy like Malik Willis is at the target. Or, in your opinion, are they going to, you know, you know, um, make two picks there because they think they're like two players away from having a, a contending team? Man, the Saints, I feel like they are drunk. And it is crazy what they are doing because I was surprised by the trade, first of all. But here's the thing, Rick. Now, you go back to 2018, and they traded back into the first round, and everyone's like, oh, they're getting Lamar Jackson. They got Marcus Davenport. Now, Marcus Davenport's a good player, but I would imagine if you had a time machine, you're going back and you're probably taking Lamar Jackson because yes, that, makes, that makes that offense look <laughs> a little different than it does right now. So I don't know is the answer. Now, they got Jameis on a two-year deal, and I think Jameis makes the most sense there. They signed Andy Dalton to a one-year deal, and he's a backup, but that doesn't mean they can't draft another quarterback if they love one. But the thing is, they didn't move up very far. So if they love one of these quarterbacks, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, whomever, they didn't get far enough up there, I, I don't think, to get one. Now, you could say, well, the 49ers traded up last year. They traded up to three, and they did that in early March. And three, you're going to get somebody that you want. And I'm assuming it was Trey Lance because that's who they took, and Mac Jones was still there after the first two guys, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, off the board. So they got their guy, presumably. So I I, I think it, it it's – they gave up so much that I'm, I'm baffled by what the plan is. If they trade up and get an offensive lineman, I'm okay with it. They need offensive line help. The, the cost of it was, was too much in my mind. But you get an offensive lineman and a wide receiver, and you can certainly get that with those picks. They have pick 18 and pick 16. You can get a Jameson Williams out of Alabama. You can probably get a Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. And now you got something. We don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. And I think Jameis Winston played some of his best football last year before he got hurt right around Halloween there. So I don't like the idea of giving up all the stuff they gave up to get where they are. Now, if they're going to package 16 and 18 to go go up even higher to get a quarterback, okay, I, I get it. Um, I don't think, like I mentioned, any quarterback's worth trading up that high. But if they feel differently and they get it right, then they're the smart ones. And I, I typically don't want to begrudge a team for drafting a quarterback in the first round, even if it's an overdraft, because like I just said, you're not going to win anything without a franchise quarterback. So you got to take these chances and roll the dice and hope you hit on a Josh Allen or even a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the Bears took Mr. Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and Mr. Trubisky is now in, on his third team, and, and the Bears have Justin Fields. So I get it, but I, in terms of answering your question, I don't know what the Saints are doing. Um, but I'm excited to find out because I think it will make the draft night certainly interesting especially if they try to move up and get somebody look i don't know 
what they're going to do either. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, my hope is that you pick somebody at 16, you take 19, and you try to find a way to, you know, recover some of the stuff that you gave up and move back a little bit, right? Um, but who knows what's gonna happen there. Um, but I appreciate you trying to, you know, taking a stab at it. <laughs> you know, it matters to me. Um, look, I want to dive in now just a little bit. You know, we love HBCU players here. Um, we were both at the senior bowl. You saw some guys there, Joshua Williams was there, right? Um, Tara Carter was there as well. I need to know in your opinion, um, and you know, because of that, you you introduced me to Emory, and I was so happy for that. Man, Emory came on, he killed it. You know, gave us all the breakdown on HBCU players. Um, but I'm asking everybody, I need to know from you, in your opinion, right? How many HBCU players do you see going in this year's draft? And then, you know, who goes first? Yeah, Emory is the encyclopedia HBCU without a doubt, and that's his. I mean, he does everything well, but the, he ain't messing around with that stuff. And I'm glad you had him on first because uh, if you had me on first and had him on, I would have looked like a fool because uh, he he crushed that, I'm sure, talking about HBC, HBCU. Joshua Williams out of, out of Fayetteville State um, is the guy. And I, I think he's probably going to be – he's like a day two guy. Like, he is long. He is physical. He moves well. The only question is you're playing – division two talent and that's the that's what you got to sort out but um just like kyle duggar a few years ago to lenore ryan not an hbcu school but a small school he was drafted by the patriots i think they're d2 as well he transitioned just fine and he plays sort of a, sort of a safety hybrid uh i so i think you know it's the the possibilities are there is it going to be a huge jump talent wise yeah it is but if your mind's right and at the end of the day it's more mind than, than physical because physically josh williams is right there You'll you'll be able to to, to assimilate. So I I like Joshua Williams to um to be the first guy drafted, and after that I would have to check my notes because give me some names that you're looking at, Rick, and I'll tell you if I got them. Uh, who are the guys drafted uh, taking the? So I'm looking at James. I'm looking at James Houston. Right, he wasn't invited to the combine, okay. but he did very well in this bowl games. He comes out of Jackson State. Right, I'm looking at a guy like him, Marquise Bell. Right, who did come to the combine, yep. ran well. Did extremely did extremely well there. Um, he's coming out of FAMU. Loved what I saw from him. Right, the Kobe Durant, another guy who ran oh, well. Yeah. At the All right, let line. me tell you about Marquise because I'm looking at my notes. I had to. You, cool. not, I'll talk about Durant too. So yeah, so I watched him. Uh, let's see. Oh, so he plays all over, man. So he can play deep. He can play in the box. He can play in the slot. Um, he was great in coverage, and he's also really good good against the run. Playing FCS, so. Uh, that's a, a higher up than Division Two. We talk about Josh Williams. He's tall. I'm not sure what he ran at, at, at the uh, at the combine, but he he plays physically and he moves well. I'm looking at my notes here, um, and he'll he'll come down and hit you. So okay, I had a, I had a day three grade on him. All right, you mentioned Durant. I think I liked him too. I think I liked him a little, a little better. Let's see what I got on. Yeah, I liked him uh, high like a like a, uh, I had a fifth round grade on him. I watched the Clemson game because he's a little guy, right? Let's see, he's he's five eleven, one eighty. So he's not little, but he's he probably should add a few pounds. Plays mostly outside. And, dude, I was impressed with the way he played against Clemson because he was acting like he was he played on Alabama in that game. He was getting after it. Um, played a lot of slot versus um, Clemson. Plays mostly outside, typically. And he is twitchy. He is springy. He gets out of his breaks with, with urgency. And um, he's a guy that I had going early fifth round. I, I liked him a lot. So uh, thank you for bringing those names up. Who Did you have anyone else that was at the Combine that I can look up? Um, so those are guys. So um, Marquise Bell, Joshua Williams, Jacoby Durant, all did extremely well there. Carter, who was the offensive lineman, yeah, um, from Southern. Um, I, I thought he did well there too, and he also did well at the pro day. Yep, I watched Jerry Carter as well. 
Uh, he's a developmental player, high-end athletic traits, plays with an edge. He's just unrefined. He can move inside to guard at the next level and be an absolute wrecking ball is what I wrote. He played left tackle at, um, at Southern, as you mentioned there. He got better each and every season, and uh, he was an elite pass blocker um, and a really good run blocker as well. I just think he hadn't played a lot of football in that position, and that's just he's just a developmental guy. But you've had the athletic traits, and you get a good coach. Um, now you're working with something. So I had him uh, as a, a late day three guy for the developmental reasons. But I have all those guys that you mentioned that were at the combine that were um, HBCU guys getting drafted. Oh, awesome, awesome. Look, I'm I'm so excited to have you here. Um, we are a praying podcast. I always say that, right? Um, and, and we and somebody's looking at this right now. They're listening to this or they're watching this, and they're like, "Man, I love Ryan Wilson." I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know uh, that he was. Uh, I'm, you know, doing my drafts all the time. I want to go and watch those, right? But I also want to pray for him, and I want to pray for that guy, man. I want to keep him lifted up. And so, if they're watching that, right? Um, how can people pray for you? Oh, man, I need all sorts of prayers, man. I appreciate it. You, you read my mind. You know, it's funny this time of year, Rick, and especially like I'm not on TikTok because I'm an old man, but uh, my my buddies, their kids are, and they'll send me clips of uh, these high school kids going on TikTok and their hashtag. If you go look up hashtag Fire Ryan Wilson, you can you can watch it for hours of these teenagers just because they like that they'll get my mock drafts on the TikTok and, and criticize it. And it, it's funny. Like, it, it actually is legit funny. So you can pray for those high school kids to find, get some hobbies because <laughs> it is something else. Now, look, if they were grown men, I'd be a little worried, but they're they're they're, they're harmless. And the funny thing is, thing is, when you go look back, they were wrong and I was right. So I'm cool with that, too. But, yeah, man, you can pray for me. Just keep just for me to keep my job because, you know, I like what I do and uh, I like having the ability to do what I do and get a chance to talk to people like you. So I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm glad we had a chance to chat. Awesome. It's my absolute pleasure. How can people reach you on Twitter, Instagram, your social media? Yeah, Twitter's uh, at Ryan Wilson CBS. And um, that's it. That's all I do as an old man. I got Instagram, but it's it's private. And I, ain't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even use it really. Um, but yeah, you can find me there on Twitter. And then, like you said, man, you go to YouTube and, and Google Mock Draft. There's a good chance my name is going to come up. And then uh, CBS Sports HQ is our sort of um, video platform. It's what we like if you have a smart TV or a Roku or a Amazon, whatever the, the, the thing is, like an Apple TV, you can download the CBS Sports app, and, and we're on there all the time as well. Well, look, we thank you so much, and we truly appreciate your time. Thank you, Rick. Absolutely. All right, y'all, we love you. God bless you. We out. 